0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. A moment of business before we get into today's show Surf Splendor is completely free. But you can support the show, and we need your support to help grow the show organically. Do so by sharing the show with a friend. Tell them verbally, send them a link to our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, or promote it via social media where you can find us, at SurfSplendor. Thanks in advance, and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Surf Splendor listeners. This is your host David Scales, saying as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, thrilled to have you doing another episode today of Surf News with my co-host Scott Bass. So, um, thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is uh, we have two different formats that we're kind of running every other week. This episode is um, just a discussion of the current topics of surfing and last week we did an episode that featured a profile piece on Rich Harbor of Harbor Surfboards prior to that we did a memorial episode for Buttons Kaluyo Kalani prior to that was an episode with Sean Thompson so if you are new please go back and listen to archived episodes Um, everything is free it's on our website surfsplendorpodcast.com also available on iTunes also available on Stitcher So no matter where you listen to podcasts, I'm sure you could find our show there. If you do listen in one of those platforms, I'd encourage you to write a review and also rate the show. Um, That just really helps other people to find the show and to learn about it prior to downloading it. So please do that. And um, thanks again for listening. Enjoy today's show. I will be back at the end to sign us off.
1: Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. It's December 3rd. Right? Yeah, it is. December 3rd, and Scott Bass, along with David Lee book Scales book from Surf Park Splendor. And uh, we're glad to be with you today. We got
0: a pretty solid show, we believe. Got new opening music.
1: I'm just trying to figure out my turn it down there a little
0: bit. Sneaky, though, I think. Hey, like, yeah. yeah. I like how um, you found a way to introduce. An additional song
1: <laughs> other than
0: just the uh, the best song ever now you've got a new one
1: that might be the best song ever right there Johnny well, Cash
0: you got to pick one there's, to walk the line there's only one so yeah. all right
1: well um again I said it's December 3rd yeah you were, you were in Nicaragua last
0: week surfing right and I yeah I just got back that. on
1: where did you go where did you surf what did you eat
0: yeah um, what did you drink uh what's the quick synopsis tonya and florida cana are the answers to that question always in terms of what you drink but um we stayed at playa colorado's which is kind of the main beach break that everybody goes and visits and yeah
1: playa Colorado's like um orange county meets central america
0: yeah totally (laughs) and and it was orange county we stayed in a really palatial estate on the beach you know with a private show yeah there's like
1: 10 or 12 insane houses all lined up right there and there's eighteen frothing surfers in each house. It's crowded there. I have a problem with it because it's just so crowded. But it's a great central hub to start your exploration into other parts of Nicaragua. Hopefully you had cars
0: or a guide or something. We did, but this trip was actually um it was part of a surf like training camp for Groms that are kind of on the pro amateur path. So most of them have sponsors already and stuff and we do this training camp where we have a coach, ex professional surfer. Who? Um, Christian Signs. He's a younger kid who won some NSSA titles locally, and he's the team manager at one of the brands. And so, um, what brand? Fox. So, brings some of the kids that are sponsored by Fox, and um, some other kids pay to come along, and we provide professional videography, professional photography, and um, review that every day, you know, footage review every night, and they get to keep. The footage and the photos and all the rights to it so they can use it for review purposes but also for sponsor promotional stuff like that so it's a cool program for them and then they get you know a month away or a week away from the parents to go on a surf trip it's a good kind of precursor for what a surf trip is having to like surf six hours a day and travel and deal with different food and all that sort of thing so it's a good program for them how old are the kids they ranged. there was six or seven of them they ranged from 14 to 18. cool yeah and the, the
1: chaperones are this christian guy from fox christian and myself you two guys yeah. you, how
0: many kids are you managing six to seven we had seven actually seven time. kids so yeah. how
1: do you sell this to the parents like do they you got to go meet the parents and go look i swear i'm a good guy I won't. pretty much
0: yeah there's a lot of glad <laughs> handing involved send your kid to many, a different country wow i'm gonna yeah. need your passport Totally. Kiss your kid goodbye. Get this. One of the kids that paid everything shows up at the airport. We're all together checking in. His passport was expired. He's like a 15-year-old kid. he get, get 86? Totally. His parents had to come pick him up from LAX, and he had he to go home. It was, he was so sad. I thought he was going to cry. But he's a 15-year-old kid, and he asked his dad. He said a month ago, hey, is my passport, you know, um, is it uh, expired? And the dad was like, "No, it's totally good. You're good to go." And he totally had his oh. heart broken. He had he ordered two new boards for the trip in his board bag, brand new boards. Oh, so, man, such a That's bummer. That's
1: too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. But yeah, but live then and learn.
0: Yeah, all good. Good trip. Um, I got a couple things to catch up on from yeah. our last show.
1: Yeah.
0: I listened to it and was kind of laughing at a few things. Firstly, I wanted to do the Fuku- Fukushima recap. And you spent three minutes explaining, we don't want to make this boring. <laughs> I immediately jump into the most boring explanation ever <laughs> of Fukushima. Like I'm like, yeah, I know, Scott. I know, we don't want to make it boring. But I got a way to do it. Let's just do it into you know the most boring explanation ever. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny. You did a good job, though, getting it back on the rails and uh, redirecting. So bravo to you sorry. That's all right. Yeah. I, you
1: know, I've been doing surf talk radio for a, a little bit of time. So I just know no matter what environmental stuff, and it's sad because environmental stuff's important. Yeah. But environmental stuff, even in the magazines, when we used to put it, we would struggle to put it in surfer magazine because it was like, it never got read. Nobody, nobody, like the majority of people that look at surfer magazine or listen to us, they kind of want to be entertained. Yeah. You know? And so if, They'll go online to find out about Fukushima. You know. Now we can talk about it on a real sort of top level sort of. Yeah. Anyway, at least that's my take on it. You know, yeah. it's it's just hard to be exciting, informative, sexy, exciting about something that's very scientific, which is generally what the environmental stuff is.
0: I think that you did a good job of getting us back on the track and. We were able to actually have a discussion about it that was interesting at that point. I was leading it down the wrong way, but we still ended up spending probably five to seven minutes in an interesting way, I thought. And I
1: got some emails from some, a guy who lives in Japan. I don't know if he sent you an email as well. No. Um And we'll, we'll touch on that in
0: a minute. Okay. But. okay cool. Um, also, I mentioned... Two shows, last show I mentioned that the show previous you had the Allman Brothers Blue Sky pick as your best song ever. But of course. And I said that, hey man, I've been listening to that. Well, I took it a step further and used it in my Surf Splendor episode with Rich Harbor. Cool. And I sent that to you. Did you check it out? I saw the link. I have not okay. listened to it. Okay. Well, it's just kind of a. Um, I apologize. No, no, no. I it's all right. Listened. It's a movie. Mood- How long is it? The episode's 30 minutes long, 35 maybe. But it's just, I used it as kind of an underlying um, tone setting moment when he's talking about something in the 70s. It's like, you want a track from the 70s that has a certain amount of energy. Dawned on me that that song was in my current repertoire, so I played it, and I'm like, dude, this is perfect. Okay, a couple things.
1: Yeah. I will let it slide that you think that that song is only good for 70 segments. That song transcends all decades. It will be good in 100 years, my friend. And it was good 100 years before it was made.
0: Well, I'm recently introduced (laughs) to it, so i got to let it sink in for a little bit. I'm only skimming the first layer of that track right now. But it's delicious. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I went into a huge rant also last show um, about this rant ever! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the lack of professionalism—that was your dude, your kook. Then my kook of the week, lack yeah. of professionalism. But I was so dismayed because I've been really enjoying this Red Bull series that they're doing called yeah. Decades. I've been,
1: I've been watching it.
0: I watched about four of them yesterday. Yeah, they got screwed. With the waves in Indonesia, but basically,
1: tell the listeners real quick a recap of what what is the Red Bull Decades.
0: Red Bull Decades. Red Bull um, had this concept to bring five surfers whom they sponsor, of course, to Indonesia and give them five different boards to ride that represent
1: epic boards, like timeless ep- boards, boards that from, transcends the boards that are part of our
0: history, boards that from are from a icon- given decade. Yeah, iconic yeah. boards, iconic there's boards from the 60s, the dec- 70s, and 80s. So and 90s. yeah, and there's a. Um, to Greg Knoll, right? Uh, Greg Knoll, Elephant Gun, Jerry Lopez, Single Fin, Lightning Bolt, Glenn Pang, Twin Fin, Town and Country Board, and um, and it's a really interesting concept. And they do one episode for each board. It's all in Indonesia. They kind of got screwed for waves, so it really didn't happen. That was a problem.
1: And if I can interject here, yeah, that was the uh, a lot of the stuff uh, criticism that I read online that I thought was good criticism was how can they ride that Jerry Lopez board in three foot blown out. You know, no-swell Tahitian pass waves, like really crappy south wind type chunky waves. It was a ma- That board needs to be, somebody said, hey, they should have those guys on the North Shore right now doing Red Bull Decades while they're all there anyway, and they're on the Jerry Lopez board. They should be surfing insane Hawaiian waves, and why not take that Greg Null gun that was used for Third Reef Pipe and send them out to Third Reef Pipe?
0: Exactly. That
1: would be pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. The concept was good. The execution didn't really pan out, no, but it didn't. So my gripe, though, in relation to lack of professionalism is they released an episode last week featuring the board of now, a modern board. And it was shaped by Matt Biolis. And you should watch that episode. We'll post it. But they misspelled Matt Biolis's name. It's A-S, right? They, they put no, A-S. They, they put A-S, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. And it's supposed that. to be O-S. Right. And it's in the title of the thing. It's everywhere. It's all over the Internet. And I the, I saw it and instantly recognized that they misspelled it. And I'm like what a huge error because this is the arguably one of the most important shapers of our time this piece of media that you guys spent probably half a million dollars on between the trip and the boards and everything and and that and
1: now you know who knows how many College kids are gonna misspell that name when they do like whatever type of research paper and it's gonna go you Google on. Matt biolos and it's B I O L O S. That's the correct spelling for yeah. Matt's name. Just totally disrespectful. That's lame. Super lame. And that's what happens when you drink, you know, energy infused or uh, caffeine <laughs> infused drinks. You get a little you don't have time for a spell check, man. You're going. You're going hard and Ain't so nobody what got you time must... for that. <laughs> <laughs> well that's too bad and, and but it, it's 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 sort of timely. You yeah, know, that you went on your rant. You ready to turn that down? Oh, my. This thing's still going? Yeah. How did I let that happen? Paw the music
0: down. Not that we don't like Johnny Cash. All Kinch, right. But Fair
1: enough. Now we're back.
0: But, yeah, no, it is timely that I went on that rant, but to be honest, I could go on that rant anytime time, and, yeah. and there would be errors out there. I saw a huge one this morning, dude, when I was scrolling through my phone. Real quick. Yeah, let me tell I don't you, want like to I, too No, crazy. but like I
1: did last week, I was notorious for misspellings and pushing stuff online before it was supposed to be, you know, sure. hadn't been copy-edited. So I guarantee you, you will find something that I've done wrong as far as a misspelling or... Lack of sp-
0: capitalization. Yes, lack-
1: any of that stuff, like spelling there, you know, I-E-R instead of
0: E-I-R or whatever. You know? I, I'm not that big of a dick, you know? It's just that the the mainstream media that goes out, I feel like should be copy-edited. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about a buddy sending an email or a text message. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to just harp on this over and over because it is going to get boring real quick if it hasn't already. Yeah. But the one that I saw this morning, wake up, scrolling through Instagram, it was a photo that O'Neill posted, which I had seen a week prior. I think they did a photo contest and that's where this photo came from. It was the kid that won. But it's a photo of Costa Rica, a guy kind of getting barreled. It was, might be Nicaragua. He's kind of getting barreled on a double up left. It's a goofy footer. They posted it this morning and the caption read, I guess we won't be seeing any, for, any photos like this of Jordy Smith at Pipeline this year because he's injured. Get well soon, Jordy. But the photo is of a goofy footer in Nicaragua trying to get barreled. I don't understand what the connection so there is between. Was a disconnect, right? Yeah, there's a photo of a guy trying to get barreled in Nicaragua, and the captions about Jordy's injured, not going to make it to Pipeline. Well, you know, what this sort is of that?
1: this sort of touches on um, an issue that's been sort of that's plagued the surf media for a long time, which is, you know, we hire a lot of guys that are good surfers that are friends of friends of friends of friends that might not necessarily be um, vetted properly okay. uh, as far as their their ability to to write captions or their ability to spell correctly or their you know, whatever it is, their copy editing skills are lacking. Yeah. And um I mean I remember at Surfer we would sit down and literally have caption um we would have caption writing seminars. Really? Yeah. You know, like the the number one thing for caption writing is you if there's a picture of a guy smiling, you you don't wanna write Here's a guy smiling, because exactly. <laughs> I can tell it's a guy smiling. You know, you want to say something like, you might not know this, but he just flossed his teeth with his tooth, you know, with his shoestring because he forgot his dental sure. floss. You know, like something that you don't know that the picture won't tell you. And um, and yeah, the disconnect there with the Jordy Smith Costa Rica Nicaragua. With so
0: I actually kind of got to the bottom of it a few minutes later on Twitter. They posted the same caption. But it was a proper photo of Jordy Smith getting barreled at Pipeline. So I think what probably happened in that instance was the intern who's running the social media got confused and put the wrong photo up for the Instagram post but put the correct one up for the Twitter post. But again, who's checking these things? And if I'm scrolling through, I scrolled through it and it was an hour old. So I would think that somebody in O'Neill would have come across it in that hour and asked them to delete it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyways, moving on. Um. Emails. Yeah, let's do emails. You want to lead off the emails?
1: Um. Yeah. Let me. Let me try to touch on the Fukushima one that I got. Um. I got a bunch of emails. I'm getting emails, and I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm going to say that it's because of what you're doing with Surf Splendor that I'm getting so many emails, because they seem to be. Uh, sent to both of us. A lot of the ones yeah, that. a lot of them are. Uh, this says, "Hey, Bassie, longtime listener." And fan of the show from San Diego. I now live in Osaka, Japan. Wow. And after listening to your podcast two weeks ago, I wanted to write in um, and just tell you that um, I want to say thank you for what you're doing. Your approach to the whole situation regarding Fukushima is as real as it gets. There's no fear mongering, no sensationalism, just straight up calling out people to get involved and get educated. No finger pointing or editorializing either. Well done. Thank you again for presenting the facts in a concerned and unbiased way. Speaking as a guy who is living here in Japan, working here, raising a family here and surfing here, I am scared shitless and everyone here is. Thank you for getting it right. And that's from Joshua Cohen, again from Japan. So that was interesting. I'm sure I do editorialize a little bit. And in fact, that's what we do on the show is we sort of give our opinions. But um, you know, I think everyone's a little bit concerned about fukushima and again i don't want to dwell on it too much because we could bore the crap out of the listeners but um it's an ongoing thing it's happening right now and you know where are our glorious non-profits that are trying to save the ocean i don't all i'm asking is for them to raise their hand and go yeah this is a problem everyone should be concerned i just don't see even the littlest the slightest yeah little concern you know it's it's more about hey everyone go to the beach and pick up the cigarette butts it's like really
0: dude yeah isn't there a bigger issue than cigarette butts right Interesting. That's a cool email. I I did not get copied on that one. Um, I've got one. Yeah. And this one was sent to both of us, actually. Um, It's from Craig Guy. And he says, Hello, guys. First off, I like the shows and insight you both offer. Thoughts to potentially make your shows more enjoyable. Why are both of you so focused on growing the surf industry? The average Joe, like me, could care less. Uh, I think he means could not care less about the industry. Why does surfing need to be neat, tidy, and professional package? Who are we trying to impress? What does this have to do with the act of enjoy the act and enjoyment of surfing? Does the average listener care about the intricacies of how to monetize surfing? Um, I wrote back to him and blamed you for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was like, "That's David. He's totally into it. I just want to go surfing as well."
0: No, I think he. <laughs> Craig brings up a good point and honestly that point has kind of, I've been thinking about it in the back of my mind, although I never really addressed it in my mind even it's just, we do focus a lot on that. And, um, but I got to thinking about the email and there's a reason why I think that we've gone this direction. And for me, I think that everything that we talk about stems from the act of surfing itself. And Because I enjoy surfing so much, I also enjoy the consumption of surf media, whether it be magazines, videos, or contests. And therefore, I want that content that I'm ingesting to be good. I want it to be interesting. I want it to be rich. And um, I just think that like, there's a lot of... It could be better. And so we're trying to identify ways that... Look, that media... Is a business and it needs to be run like a business. And it hasn't really, they haven't really built the infrastructure in a lot of ways that you would normally build a business. It's kind of grown organically out of just people who like to surf. And so, if we can go back now and help fortify the infrastructure of the business and produce better quality content, I will get more out of it and I will enjoy it more. You know, I just feel like a lot of it is shoddy. And so, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it
1: kind of does. I, I sense that, and we've, in the past, I've gotten these emails for years, you know, and Baldy and I struggled with it, and Marty and I, and, um, you know, the, the sort of the underlying theme of these emails is, why do you concentrate on pro surfing and the surf industry so much? There's so much more to surfing than some guy with a jersey on, ripping, or whatever surfer in Surfing Magazine, or Transworld say, or Surfline says, like, like there's a whole world of interesting stuff, and we want to hear about that stuff. We get enough of the, of the like boiled down, you know, youth lifestyle demographic BS from those outlets already. Yeah. Like so, David and Scott, why don't you open up the, you know, the take your goggles off sort of, yeah. you know, and and I think it's valid, but but it, we do struggle with it. A couple of things is. Um, it is what we're fed, and so we kind of talk about what we're fed, and that's but there, but it is our responsibility, and it's a tough one to kind of go outside of that. Now, a couple things thing is is that pro surfing is our sport, and that's one of the, a big chunk of what drives the so called surf garment industry. And um, so, we talk it's hard to not talk about the sport, the sport's yeah. kind of a big part of it, you know what I mean? Now, that means the lifestyle. Why don't David and Scott talk more about the lifestyle? And this is where. I think we can address Craig's email. And it's like, okay, let's talk more about travel. Yeah. Let's talk more about surfboards themselves and shapers. Mm -hmm. Let's talk more about um, stuff that we might see on some of these, how would I say, like um, outside the box kind of media outlets like Corduroy TV does a lot of outside the box stuff, you know, or even just the free surfing videos that we see from even like Dane Reynolds from Marine Layer or wherever, you know, we don't just... Um, have to be in this pro surfing box which we gen. it's easy to get for me to get stuck in it and it's because I'm a fan I'm a fan of pro surfing and it's also really hard to I could sit here and bore you with every wave I rode this
0: morning right. you know but do you really want to hear about you know no mid-40s guy <laughs> yeah you know so well um, I think there's two things actually that you just touched on ASP is one thing professional surfing is kind of another there's a lot of things involved in professional surfing that aren't related to the ASP. Like what? Like Craig Craig Anderson is a professional surfer who has nothing to do with the ASP. And GoPro, arguably, is involved in professional surfing. And they have Red nothing Bull. to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those things are all really interesting to me. And I think that we should continue to talk about professional surfing with those aspects, but I think that we should also probably scale back on the ASP talk. You know, like It's been heavily geared towards the ASP, and we've got multiple emails about that. And I think that as interesting as that is to you and I, it's probably not all that interesting to people who don't really care about it. Um, But kind of to answer one of Craig's questions of, does the average listener care about the intricacies of how to monetize surfing? I don't know if they do care, but I think that they should care. There's a whole crew
1: of people that are like, don't even talk about it. Why what's the upside? Well, here What's the upside? Because all we're really doing is creating more people in the no, like no, from no. a selfish standpoint. And this isn't my take, but this is the take I hear a lot. is like, why are we why are we even promoting more surfing? Like, why not just not talk about it and that would mean less people in the water and more waves for, quote unquote, me. It's like incredibly selfish no. viewpoint, but there's a lot of people that sort of have that that
0: angle let me give you two answers i just mentioned gopro okay gopro was something that was a monetization of surfing it was a guy who had a need who figured it out and produced this thing and you and i get to benefit from that we get to see every tube ride that they're riding in the sunset contest from the inside looking out pipeline all this stuff and that's really valuable to me and i wouldn't trade it for anything and so i think that's a great example of um Somebody who, who found, you know, this little niche to monetize surfing and exploited it, and we get to benefit from it. Another one was last night I was at Barnes & Noble, and I picked up an issue of a new magazine called Later. Have you seen that? No. It's fantastic. It's a newer surf magazine. I think they've made four or five issues, and it's like this is a niche – that we could talk about. We could interview the people from Later Magazine, or we could talk about the content that they produce in what the magazine. What is Later Magazine? What's it look it's like? It's a lifestyle magazine. They do it, uh, I think... no pro-surfing? Just... They do it quarterly. Uh-huh. There is pro-surfing. Where does it come from, do you know? Like, where does it originate from? It's printed in Canada, but I don't know where it originates from. But this current issue, Luke Davis is on the cover, but he's sitting in his board in the water, and it's a bird's-eye view of his girlfriend pouring a beer into his mouth from a boat, So he's like sitting off the edge of the boat and the shot is kind of of the top of her head and the top of her hand tilting this can of beer and you can see it dribbling down into his mouth and he's just looking up trying to... And it's just an interesting perspective and the whole magazine is like that and it's really well written, really interesting articles. But again, that was something where I just thought to myself, maybe there was a guy like Craig who thought, dude, I really don't like what Surfer Magazine and Surfing are producing, but... I would like to see different kind of content and went and produce this different kind of content. It was a monetization of surfing and it's worth talking about. And, um, I think now you, you have a voice now more than ever to express your opinion and like Craig did. And now we're talking about it and we'll change the direction of our show. And so, so it's important to kind of discuss what parts of the business are being run poorly so that we can run them more efficiently. By the way, I, I, I
1: replied to Craig. I think he saw it. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, and Craig's, you know, like you said, his main thing is, why are we so focused on growing the surf industry? And I told him, look, it's a two-edged sword. I mean, in many ways, my business relies on the growth of the surf industry, or yeah. at least a stable surf right. industry. So, um you know i'm not going to sit here and bite the hand that feeds me you know and and also the surf industry is what it is it's not going away so we're going to talk about it and but it, i don't but i don't necessarily know that i'm sitting here trying to to like grow the surf industry it, there's nothing wrong with growing the surf industry in my mind but i'm not sitting here like like he says why are we focused on growing the surf industry right. i don't know if i'm necessarily focused on it but look surfing is what it is i went surfing today you know i rode a board the, um i caught some great waves there's nothing that can replace that. No. Nothing that you and I talk about. However, we excavate it. At the end of the day, Craig's I kind of thinking, you know, I think he's kind of saying, look, you know, maybe skew it back and, and talk about the actual act and what happens. Yeah, yeah. Back.
0: I agree with Craig's point. Uh, but I also think that you're going to be able to ride better surfboards and have better wetsuits if the industry does grow. If it runs efficiently like a business, we will get better quality content in the form of boards, wetsuits, magazines, contests, GoPro, everything.
1: You know what's interesting is um, I know Chris Morrow of a couple three ten years ago or whatever it was wrote a piece about why we need pro surfing yeah and it was basically what you touched on and he he marked um he said look basically every innovative surf design and every innovative wetsuit and most of the innovative things have come out of competition yeah like the three fin thruster or the twin fin these things were created so that they could compete and win you know and and get a get a um an advantage on their competitors you yep. know and um because And it was basically, his article was a retort to these types of emails where it's like, surf industry's lame, pro surfing's lame. And he basically said, okay, you think it's lame? Let me show you why it's not lame. And he pinpointed all of these different, um, basically, you know, breakthroughs, revolutionary breakthroughs in design and in surfboards and even in
0: the marketplace. Right. We're talking a lot about emails. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's because Craig touched on points that we've gotten multiple emails about. Yeah, you know so it's kind of like we can use his as the example to yeah to unpack some of those details so thanks for the email craig appreciate it um any other emails well
1: here's just sort of another one
0: that touches on the same thing from bill patterson and bill
1: says overall i feel the asp info is overweighted while the best episodes are focused more on surf culture so yeah and you know what It is what it is. Some of our shows are going to be heavily pro-surfing, and some of them are going to be a little bit pro-surfing, and some of them are going to be just me talking about my five waves that I caught today. So make sure you tune in for those.
0: I think I replied... And the Almond Brothers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think I replied to Bill, too, and said, well, I agree with you, but December, all we're doing is talking about professional surfing, because the Pipe Masters, the Triple Crown, it's just, that's what... Well, let's
1: talk about surfing, and if it happens to be professional, so be it. If it happens to be... What's the other non-professional? I don't
0: know, but we're talking about p- the Pipe Masters for the next two weeks. I think <laughs> David is. I um, might not. I might not even respond. <laughs> I got. I got a little industry gossip in relation to what's been happening. All right. Um, Here we go. From,
1: Straight into the
0: surfing industry gossip. From an unnamed source. <laughs> That's bullshit. Who else no, was it? Unnamed. Can't. Can't name it.
1: Oh, so it is somebody that you know the name, but you won't name. It.
0: It's just full industry gossip. It's okay. unsu- Even if I name the name, it's unsubstantiated. Okay. But I heard Dane's going to make a push to re-qualify next year. Oh, yeah. Dane yeah. Reynolds. Dane Reynolds. Dane Reynolds. So he, he had a good result in uh, Sunset. I think he actually, I forget what he did in Hollywood, but I remember he def- definitely made heats there. Maybe round of 32 or 16 or well, something. Well, the
1: one thing that you notice is no matter if he made the heats or not, that he looks like he cares. He's there, trying. there is this sense that, that he's trying. Where, yeah. You know, he's not like, Going, oh, what, you know, what's on the buffet? what You know, what what you know, is it burritos
0: or chicken fajitas, you know? Right. And so, we'll see. He does still look hefty. Yeah. Though, like... I noticed he was riding a more proper shortboard, though, at sunset. He wasn't riding what he normally rides. You
1: know what? I, good luck, Dane. You know, I want to see you do well, whatever. I, I, I don't... My whole thing with Dane is, call me when you're in the top five. Until then, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's sort of my take on on Dane re-qualifying.
0: But do you... It doesn't surprise me. Though. Would you be interested to see him try Absolutely. to re-qualify?
1: Absolutely. Okay. I mean, he's the, he's one of the most interesting surfers. He's got an incredible style and an incredible performance level. And when you put those two things together, you get the likes of Dane Reynolds and Kelly Slater. And um, But what he doesn't have, in my opinion, is, is the competitive panache or moxie to get it done. I, I can see him just going, oh, I tried and I quit.
0: This could be the new uh, dimension of Dane Reynolds, though the new chapter in Dane Reynolds. That's what we're hoping is and he th- he did what he wanted to do originally. I haven't seen him produce any edits on Marine Layer for the last six months to a year, so maybe he's tired of that and he's like, "Man, I want to really pursue this now."
1: Yeah, but but I think what underneath it all is the real champions have a hunger that yes. that's
0: not um, something you can just turn on
1: and turn off. It's Correct. something that they have. Right, and I just don't sense that. I mean, this guy's been given everything since day one. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I don't know him. He could be very competitive. But I just sense that if it's like, oh, yeah, I tried that. No, I'm going to try this again. If that's really sort of um, what's driving him is just I got nothing better to do. Yeah. Then I'm doubting whether he's going to make a a solid comeback. Yeah, maybe he'll be on tour. Maybe it's just his pure abilities will get him, you know, into the top 10 for the next 15 years. Will he be a world champion? Mark my words, Dane Reynolds will never be a world champion.
0: I won't argue against that. Or you should have. No, you should always argue. It makes good radio. I know you say that, but I, I don't think he'll be world champ either. All right. Um, so should we talk about sunset, or do we have another? What do you Let's got? Let's
1: talk about our recent Turkey Day swell in Southern California. Yep. It's been a long time coming. Yep. Right? The last great swell was in October, and it's been flat and basically horrible. For a long time, and we got these great waves. Thursday, Friday, Friday was all time here. It was incredible offshore all day, low tide, peaky for how much swell there was. It wasn't walled up. The beach breaks were solid. Yeah. And um, and we're just really glad here in Southern California. You know, the millions of surfers that live here are just like, thank goodness. Yeah. You know, we did, now, unfortunately, it seems as if we're back to the doldrums.
0: Yeah, we had the worst November that I can ever remember, probably up until that swell. So we were desperate, desperately in need of it. And then Surfline just today posted their feature on that swell. So anybody who isn't in Southern California that didn't experience that, who's listening, go to Surfline and check it out. It's one of their swell stories. So um, you can see how good it was.
1: And as great as the pictures are, what's most important to that is kind of what we touched on, which is, which is, our ability here in Southern California to finally get a wave under our belt. You know, and I don't think any pictures can really. Um, sort of portray or convey the, the sort of good feeling that everyone had that thank god you know we, i was surfed out i was actually yeah. surfed out you know but yeah. it, when you're out of shape when you don't surf for three weeks or yeah. month or whatever but yeah, yeah. but i'm um, really good waves here and just we've really needed it you know like it's been i mean you know you hear oh it's been bad it's been bad but it's been pretty bad this year
0: it has and it, and it also even when there are waves three feet three foot beach breaks gets tiring as well so it's nice to have some proper energy yeah you know? yeah
1: it was exciting and i had the you know i always have those moments where it's like the night before
0: i've got the butterflies it's like christmas it's like yeah. i'm opening
1: up a present
0: you know it's like you're a kid dude that's weird that that doesn't ever go away I know yeah. that's the beauty of it right totally
1: um what was the
0: next thing ben ipa
1: oh i've got ben ipa yeah he's celebrating 50 years i um We're going to be honoring Ben at the boardroom in May, 17th and 18th. I think I've told the listeners this before. I just wanted to reiterate because Duke Ipa, his son, put out a press release on Surfline about it. Ben Ipa is going to be in Southern California. Um, He'll have um, personal shaping um, opportunities for you. So if you want to get a Ben Ipa board, I think he'll be here in in late January.
0: Um, What do you you mean he's um, celebrating 50 years? 50 years of of shaping. He started
1: shaping in 1964. And um, this guy, you know, I mean, Ben Ipa is a legendary guy. I mean, he's the guy that came up with the Stinger design. He's the guy that put boards in the feet of Buttons, who sadly passed away of um, Mark Liddell, Larry Bertelman. Um, The list here that I have in front of me is pretty incredible. I mean, Michael Ho, Mark Richards, a major influence on Mark Richards. Um, I mentioned Buttons, Danky Aloha. Dane Kealoha is a whole nother story that, i to talk to you about that needs to be told. Tony Moniz and he's got a huge family, the Moniz family now, his kids, Red Hot Surfers, his daughter, world champion longboarder, Sonny Garcia, Brad Gerlock, Andy and Bruce Irons, John Shamuka, Taylor Knox, Bethany Hamilton, and most recently now the young Alex and Koa Smith, who are you know in the 18 to 20 year old range. So Ben Ipa's legacy in Hawaii and throughout the surf world is huge as a surfer, as a shaper. And as a coach of the Hawaiian surf team for years and years and years, 50 years celebrating here in 2014. And we're excited to have him at the boardroom. Obviously, I'm ecstatic to have such a legend um, agree to be honored. So we're going to be paying tribute to Ben in May uh, in Del Mar here um, at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Very exciting.
1: Yeah, it's good. I just posted a video on the boardroom Facebook page Yeah. and I think on my Facebook page that... um, I, the I, show's I, Ben Ipa shaping and he basically goes through the process of shaping board. It's a board. It's a really cool video. Was
0: that the video produced by Fiberglass? It Fly? is, yeah. Yeah, they Grand did Grand a good Andy job of that. Yeah. yeah, cool.
1: Great white sharks. Yeah, no kidding, man. Great white sharks, David. Here's it's, the deal, there's been a couple of shark attacks in Australia in the last, this week there was one, a guy died um, boogie boarder kid, 15, 17 years old, something like that. Yeah. Then in Western, that was in Sydney. Then in Western Australia, a couple of weeks prior, there was a, another surfer was eaten by a great white shark, killed dead. And, um, there's been uh, recent in Australia, there's been sort of a call, I guess you will, or, or a resurgence of the idea of potentially culling the, the population of great white sharks in the region. And, um, and there's been some incredible banter on the message boards about this. You know, should we, should, is it okay to cull the population of great white sharks if they're killing people in the water? And, um... I
0: assume you have an opinion on this? I do.
1: I think that we should. I think that we should call great white sharks. I, I think that, I think that, um... By call you mean kill?
0: Kill. A certain amount kill. of the population. Kill a certain amount, yeah.
1: Got it. We do it with all sorts of, um species you know sure um, and you know of course the argument is well that's awfully um you know who do you think you are you're just a human being you know what about them they don't have a say in it and and, and um i'm not saying it'll eradicate great white sharks but i'm saying that look this is the apex predator and if they are killing human beings um then perhaps we should look at the potential for um, you know, getting rid of some of them. Maybe there's too many of them. I don't know, but it should be looked at. I'm not. I'm naive and ignorant. I'm not sitting here scientifically telling yeah. you. Yeah. My emotion is saying, you know what? Let's get rid of a few of them. You know what? By the way, what animal is getting rid of the great white sharks? None. None. So, None. you know, at some point there, it could be logic would
0: tell you that there's going to be too many of them. Yeah. Well, um, remember when we were talking about Dane Reynolds qualifying for the tour about five minutes ago? Yeah. <laughs> And yes. you told me I should argue with you. Yes. Here we go. Okay. So, devil's advocate. I'm not against killing the great white shark. Yes, you are. I'm not. Nec- I'm not like a you know, uh, animal activist in any sort of respect or in that respect. But is my question is just is culling the population going to prevent shark attacks on human beings? Is my first question. I don't know, but it sure will feel good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so we are an animal as well, but we're a sophisticated animal, I would like to think. And we don't want to just react emotionally. And if the answer is yes, that will prevent shark attacks in the future, then by all means, maybe we should take that step. I don't know that it will. I know that one thing we learned from a previous show that we did talking about shark attacks was that for some reason, great white sharks have the ability to reproduce Faster than any endangered species we've ever studied before. And they're not endangered. They're not, no.
1: That's another thing.
0: Yeah. Right? So so it's kind of like, I don't know that calling the population back is necessarily going to... I mean, if you kill 40 of them, maybe 40 new ones show up from the deep blue sea that we didn't know were there previously. We also learned in a previous show that our methods for calculating the numbers of how many exist are... Not agreed upon by all scientists. So if we don't have an accurate way to calculate their numbers, how do we know how to effectively call them? You know, um, you talked about we we do that with other species and populations, but I have a feeling maybe the ones you're referring to exist on land and we can more accurately quantify how many exist. You know, this is something that I don't know. We really know. We don't have not not all the science is in to make an informed decision on how to really handle well, the situation. You're absolutely
1: right. That's the key is that not all the science is in. And um, and I'm not saying we go out and we call great white sharks right now, but uh, I don't think the science will ever be in on the great white shark. I just think it's too elusive of a character to understand where it is or how many there are, what it, when it reproduces. You know, We can send a man to a moon, but we can't seem to be able to figure out how many there are Where they live, what they do, no one really knows. We're just now sort of starting to get some insight into
0: it. We should debate the moon landing next. (laughs) Well,
1: let me say this, that um, currently under consideration in Western Australia is a changing of the laws that will allow for sharks to be killed near, near popular beaches. And I'm reading, Environment Minister Greg Hunt told media outlets, and I quote, I am keen, and we are keen, to work with any state governments in whatever way will help explain why there's been an increase in the number of tax, and secondly, to understand what, if anything, can be done to reduce the risk to humans. So you'll see there, they didn't say, you know, what can be done to make sure that the shark is protected. So if you read between the lines, they want to make sure that um that their beaches are safe yeah that that they can say hey please come to my beach i'm you know chamber of commerce has asked me to say it's safe and you know this is really um sort of right from the script of Jaws. you know where you've got the chamber of commerce and the mayor and they're going oh my god tell people it's safe go find that shark
0: and kill it i think that i like that they're the question that they're asking is why have attacks increased that's a really important question you know well some have suggested
1: that look we've overfished the, the hell out of the, the oceans. You know, the tunas, the things that the great white shark eats have been depleted. I mean, right now there's illegal tuna fishing going on somewhere in like Pontepe or in the Micronesian Islands or somewhere. You know, I mean, the Japanese are just, and not just the Japanese, all sorts of um, of nationalities, nation states are overfishing tunas. So if we know that the tuna stock is being overfished and we know that other fish are being overfished and depleted. It it stands to reason that the apex predator is hungry and looking for something to eat. Totally. And so they're coming closer to our shores where, oh, by the way, in California, the seal population has gone through the roof. Yeah. Because we've protected the seal. Yeah. There are so many more seals in California. I mean, all you got to do is go down to the La Jolla shores or to La Jolla to the children's pool there. And it's just seals everywhere. Or go to La Jolla Cove. I went to La Jolla Cove with my daughters this weekend paddling around. Tons of seals. Love the seals, but we've protected them, and guess who's going to come eat them because there's nothing else to eat? Right. The great white sharks. Well, then, in the way of the seal is you and I, surfers, people just enjoying the ocean. You know, we're not exploiting the ocean. We're just enjoying the ocean.
0: And, um, you know, there's a lot that needs to be looked at. Well, just like with the overfishing and the seal protection had unintended consequence that we didn't foresee. I have a feeling that the culling of sharks will also have an un- unintended consequence. And so I think that, you know, the research needs to be done. I don't know even how to do that research. But I just feel like, um, let's let's figure things out a little bit more before reacting.
1: How many I, people have to die before you well, You decide that I would prefer doing that,
0: science... Science me, isn't going
1: to save anybody's life.
0: Let me present this idea. I would prefer that none die... But I would also assume that there's probably a technological solution to this problem. I don't know that there's um, things need to be uh, financially viable or there needs to be a profit associated with something in order for somebody to invent something. But I think that it would be worth pursuing a technological solution such as a shark repellent. Maybe it's a, a sounding sounding device that keeps sharks out of surfing areas or beaches, you know? And then, I mean, that has to exist or have the uh, potential of existing, right? Yeah, I'm sure it does. It's got to. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Go to com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
1: Look, I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail for this. Yeah. (laughs) I just want everyone to know that I'm not anti-shark. No, no, no. I love sharks, but I I do think that at some point um, we need to think about culling the population a little bit. Yeah. Um, But again, I'm naive and ignorant, and I'm certainly no scientist, and... um, I, you know, I, I sometimes I, I'm, I'm on the fence you know I, I sit and I hear what I'm saying and I'll listen to myself say this and I go you know what that just doesn't in my heart of hearts it doesn't seem right yeah and it is sort of an emotional response you know, kill the sharks damn it you know but yeah um, I, but I, I, look, it, it there you know this wouldn't be the first time that we've called populations or species not. I mean we've done it with um, I mean we do it all the time they're doing it with tuna right now you know yeah. illegally. And there doesn't seem to be this massive well, there is an outcry about it actually, but
0: Well, there's a time to kill, for sure. I agree with that, and I'm not opposed to that at all. I just again think that there's probably a a technological solution where everybody could win in this scenario.
1: I know that, you know, there's the the shark that took Bethany Hamilton's arm was like a rogue tiger shark that they knew about, that Billy Hamilton knew about. Like the, the locals in in Honolulu knew that this shark was like sort of hanging around tunnels and um, had been spotted and was aggressive and they just went out and got it. Like they yeah. didn't tell anyone. They just went out one night and found the shark and killed it Yeah, and hung it up and they were celebrated for it. Right. And so
0: um, I like that story. That's a mean, great story.
1: It is. It's sort of but, man versus nature, man versus beast, you know, whatever. You know, it's got that sort of Moby Dick vibe. But
0: I'm sure there's an answer, uh, but I'm wondering how they know that is the specific shark.
1: I, it, it is true that there just simply isn't enough science to just go out yeah, and go, yeah we've you're right science all points to one thing let's go kill the sharks right. you know but but I'm just my gut tells me that there's the great white sharks are not endangered they are there's a huge population of them they're just getting huge or nobody's taking them who's killing them no one yeah you know and then of course when you say that somebody will send you a picture with a, a million shark fins well those are all baby little Makos or whatever like lemon sharks or something that 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 the Chinese are
0: taking for shark fin soup. Those are not great white shark fins. Right. So, all right. Well, it's super sad. If you read the accounts of those couple of attacks that happened recently, it's really horrific. So,
1: There's some great
0: uh,
1: banter about this on the Surfer Magazine message board. So if you're interested, I'd urge you to go there. Um, What's next? Uh, Welcome to paradise. Now go to hell. Um, we were speaking earlier about um, great writing. What was it you were telling me was something that that was really well written? I don't remember. Today but, I said that? Yeah. But anyway, um, Chaz Smith, this the editor at Living Large for Surfing Magazine, which is a great title. Yeah, it is. I'd like to see his business card. I hope it says that on there. Uh, he has written this new book. And it's a great book. And it's basically um, his point of view, his, his take on... on one or a couple of winners on the North Shore of Oahu, and this book tells you, uh, takes you through all the political drama, all the, all the, just all the good stuff. It's just really deep and rich with, with um, the characters on the North Shore, the waves on the North Shore, the smells of the North Shore, you know, Hawaii in general, it gives you some historical background. It takes you into the lives of Andy and Bruce Irons, and, And into Eddie Rothman and into all of the drama that, all of the anxiety that just drips from the North Shore, you know, both good and bad. And uh, I don't really know Chaz Smith. I I haven't followed him with Stab. I I quite frankly don't um, read the the magazines anymore. Um, But I tell you what, he's a great writer. I wish I could write as well as this guy. I mean, it's just very well written. And it's edgy, you know. Um, he's got sort of an edge to him. But the, the one thing that I've taken away is that it's just sincere. It's just so honest. It it's, is. It's, it's incredibly... Um, it doesn't have any of the surf media bro-bra filter on it no, at all. You not know? at all. It's just really raw and true. And I really appreciate it for that. So I would um, urge you, David. Did you get the book yet?
0: I did. I read like maybe seven or nine chapters last night. Yeah. So did you finish it?
1: No, I'm just now in the Andy Irons stuff.
0: Okay. Um, I just got through the Eddie Rothman punching out Graham Stapleberg at the Bellabong house. house. Um, How good is that? It's, it's just it's, it's really compelling good. reading. It's just fun reading. And I remember hearing rumors about that situation. The book doesn't explain why it happened. Did it explain yeah. after where yeah, I got? yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm I'm interested to yeah, in no know why. Yeah, you'll get to it. You'll get to it. Okay, so it's funny. I agree with almost everything you said about the book, except for loving the writing itself. I I don't think he's that great of a writer. I I really like his storytelling. So that has a lot of richness, but his uh, trash prose, as Derek Riley coined it, yeah, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, you know. Um, but it has personality and it has a little pizzazz to it. That's entertaining. And then the storytelling itself is entertaining enough to keep me engaged. And the content is something that I'm really interested in that nobody else really discusses. It's all the rumor stuff that you hear about in hushed tones or that I launch the show by saying industry gossip, and then don't tell you the details. It's all that stuff, but giving you the details.
1: Yeah, exactly right. It's, 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 um, it's just really rich with, and again, the the thing that I find the greatest thing about it is that it doesn't have any of the industry bro bra um, filter on it. It's just like honest, sincere, here it is in all its gory nakedness, you know, and um, that's refreshing. Right. And, and a lot, and you know, you can get, there's some surf riders out there now that, um, that sort of have an edgy way about them. But there's a lot of malice involved in that. There seems to be a lot of, like, look at me. Whereas with Chaz, you just get the feeling that this is who he is. You know, Mm -hmm. like, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of malice or hate. He's just going, hey, man, this is the way I see it. You know, you can hate me if you want, and you can not invite me back. That's fine. But I'm not going to,
0: I'm going to be who I am. And here it is. And I think that you'll read about, if you read the book, you'll learn about his background. But his background was in war journalism. And so he spent time in the Middle East had been held up at gunpoint, chased by Al-Qaeda, and all sorts of crazy stories. So, um, But he grew up as a surfer, so that was the transition from war journalism into surf journalism, which he thought would be a soft place to land after being held up at gunpoint. But, um, of course, this book chronicles his experiences on the North Shore, which turn out to not be that safe of a place to land when you're exposing people's secrets. We're going to get
1: uh Chaz smith on the show he I, i'd love for him to come on and chat with us i just want to learn more about him and he seems like a really interesting guy totally um the vans world cup of surfing
0: yeah asp craig,
1: craig ASP. craig guy you can turn off the show now. yeah <laughs> we're gonna talk a little pro surfing um the vans world cup of surfing just finished up at sunset beach um fun event to watch Ezekiel Lau won the event um, in smaller surf as the swell was fading and um, how about the shirts that those guys in the webcast booth were wearing those just god-awful gaudy like oh, Hawaiian shirts they looked like they were um, in chart house busboy reject shirts or something like that I sent a little bit of Chas Smith at
0: vitriol coming through right now.
1: (laughs) I I really, you know, I'm not here to care either way. I just think that, I I guess I I will say this, though, that the Vans, um, especially the, the one at Sunset Beach, the webcast, it's and the broadcasters themselves, they seem to be dumbing down to, like, the lowest common denominator. Like, they're trying to make my kid be stoked on the webcast. Like, if you look at a broadcast of, say, tennis, or golf, or the NFL, you have 35 to 45 year old broadcasters that are presenting this thing in a professional manner and they're talking so that so that The mature intelligent male or female will enjoy the broadcast right. And these broadcasts with Dane Godowskis It just seems that there's a little bit of a bro bra. Everything's cool like it, it, it's still that sort of dumbed down. Like they're trying to reach out to the fifteen-year-old youth lifestyle demographic, yeah. which is what they're trying to reach out to, rather than just be intelligent and realize, you know, what my fifteen-year-old kid would probably enjoy intelligence too. Yeah. You know, like he's he's been watching NFL football and he's been watching, you know, um, whoever these broadcasters are on 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 pro tennis and on pro golf and on pro hockey and. All of the stuff we see on TV, they're used to that. So you don't have to dumb it down and make it like, you know, it's got like a Spicoli edge to it that I'm not so sure I really need to see. And I don't think anyone else really wants to see that.
0: I'm not a fan of it. I think that Dave Stanfield is that guy that appeals to the masses or he's the, if you don't really know surfing, you'll really like Dave Stanfield. Cause he'll provide it in a, he'll provide the information in a real bland sort of way. But So, and I think he'll always be there as much as I don't need him to be. But I think that guys like Shane Dorian at the Holly Eva contest provide the core surfer with something of engaging and engaging value. And their answer to him with this event was Dane Godowskis, who I thought you nailed it on the head when you said Spicoli. He is the most Spicoli of them all and really was cringeworthy, I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look you know, the Godowskis brothers are, you know, they're this, this trio of fun loving, no matter what, they got a smile and they're just happy. And I mean, there could be an earthquake and a tsunami and they'd be like, you know, this is fun. Let's go catch some waves. And, 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 you know, whatever, there's nothing good. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I'm just saying from a broadcast, from a production standpoint, you know what, we're intelligent. We just want some intelligent people to go, here comes a set. This guy ripped it. Take it away, Shane. Give us the blow-by-blow, blow, you know? Like, we don't need you to be over-the-top selling yourself yeah. or selling this happy-go-lucky, you know, vibe, you know? Like, just just be, you know, Jim Lampley. Just be, yeah. you know, be a professional broadcaster, you your, know?
0: Your sentiment echoes kind of my rant about the lack of professionalism it does. in a lot of ways. But I let's talk about the surfing itself in the contest. Yeah, um, I like it uh It bolsters my ego when we're talking about Zeke Lau last week and how we want to see him take over Sonny Garcia's kind of power he already does, but yeah. he's better than he's yeah. better than Sonny ever was and uh and then sure enough, not only does he win the event but everybody in the in the booth commented that same Sonny Garcia analogy, which I thought was kind of interesting and cool um, it's cool when you know we identify these guys and then they end up doing well in the next comp. I I was glad to see Zeke Lau win. I like the way he surfs a lot. I think he's 100% Hawaiian, and and that's who does well at sunset. He was riding the right boards. His approach to the wave was right. Blowing fins when he needed to, but also putting it on rail when he needed to, getting barreled at the right spots. By the way, four-man heats. Guys are hassling. It was great. It was
1: super good. Wasn't it good? Like, super good. I'm glad they're paddling each other up the point. And then two guys are peeling off and going over to the West Peak. Yeah. Sunset Beach is a place where you do not need a priority. Wide playing field. Lots of paddling. Lots of current. And how much were they talking about it? I mean, that just validates the yeah. fact that you, in certain areas you don't need. It's good that, okay, let's watch him paddle him up the beach. Like That gives me, the spectator, something to engage in while there's no waves breaking. You right. know? Look at the play between these two guys. And oh, by the way. Um, How incredible was Kelly Slater's left? Amazing. Uh, Incredible. And
0: that was a time when there was tactics involved because there was no priority. Such an intuitive being connected with the ocean move on his part. Even when he was taking off, I thought he was going right. You know what I mean? It's like he needed I think big... he did
1: until the very last moment.
0: Yeah, that was unbelievable.
1: To me what it, you know, Kelly struggled with winning an event at, at Sunset. And he'll even tell you, how he's not really sure he even cares too much. I mean, he'd love to win it, but but the 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 location itself is a wild card. And to me, him catching that left to me was like his way of saying, "You know what? I'm pretty damn good and I'm pretty damn good out here and nobody's ever done. Even Andy Irons' left wasn't like that one." Yeah. And I, I you know, it in some ways, to me, it sort of went, you know what, he doesn't need to win an event at sunset after catching that left and going into that barrel with no hands. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of like, okay, you know what, you maybe didn't win the event, but guess what, Kelly, you kind of won the event.
0: Right. Or or he did something that will be among the most remembered details of that event. That, along with Barrick DeVries' 10-point barrel ride, how was that thing? That was incredible. I thought they were talking it up a little. I mean, it was it was a 10. It was
1: insane, but... Um, in context of the history of Sunset Beach, there's been insane barrels out there like that that are deeper, gnarlier, heavier, you know, not much heavier. But um, they seem to, like, be putting it on this pedestal like it was the greatest tube ride that's ever happened at Sunset Beach. And I'm calling BS on that. I mean, there, there was, you know, in the 80s, before we had all of this stuff in our faces, there was incredible rides out there from Gary Elk- Elkerton to... Um, you know, you name it. There was guys getting, Sonny, even Sonny Garcia. There there was incredible tube rides that were uh, equally as heavy. It's just that, you know, we have short memories in this interview. Yeah.
0: age. Yeah, and another thing about Kelly is just to point out towards the world, world title race is he made it one round farther than Mick did. Mick got eliminated in the round of 64. Kelly went to the round of 32. That doesn't
1: really matter, though, right? It doesn't
0: matter in terms of points. Yeah. But it matters in terms of psychological warfare. Right. You
1: know? I just thought. By the, I'd the way, it you out.
0: read the stuff about Mick You have read the McFanning portion of Chess Smith's book. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I um, found that
1: fascinating.
0: Super interesting. That Eddie
1: Rothman slapped McFanning. I did not know. Yeah,
0: that. although it was just Eddie's account saying that he slapped McFanning. I would like to hear the backstory on that too. Um, another person who we talked about, or I talked about in past shows, that you just wrote off as I say his name and you're like, "Who? Matt Fanning, huh?" Yeah, <laughs> banning did well at Holly Eva after I talked about him. But no, Matt banning is just another one of the
1: masses of 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 guys that are red hot surfers that are great surfers that are just not in the top 10 and I'm only interested in the top ten. I, I got some flack on some
0: emails. Yeah, you about did. That. So you what know? about what about Carlos Munoz? I've mentioned his name multiple times. What about him? He made was the, he in the final. He no, made was the quarters? He in, was he in the semis? No, he, he made, made the, quarters. the quarters.
1: Him and sixteen other guys made the quarters. Very sounds... very true. All right. What? But he also you know.
0: got cover shots this year. A cover I, I shot don't this care year. About cover he got it. He got it. Two tens at Volcom back. A pipe See, this is where you and right I totally
1: are different because I none of that stuff even registers
0: to me like but it's but You're gonna... getting a
1: cover shot is not Carlos I mean There's a million great cover shots that never made the cover because there's only 12 of them and there's some photo editor That's pulling
0: the I know how the
1: game is played so I mean to I'm get not, a
0: cover shot isn't no I'm not saying that makes him a superstar what I'm saying is start to remember his name all right because two years from now we'll be sitting here and he'll be winning heats on on the world tour and I'll be like, dude, remember Carlos Ruiz? Like, I told you to pay attention. He'll be like, First where's Co- my beer, Bass? For, exactly. <laughs> First Costa Rican surfer who's going to make the world tour. He rips, and every time you see his name, you should watch his heats. That's what I'm saying. All right. Um, Fair enough. Damien Hobgood, push closer to qualification. Please, baby Allah. Please, baby Allah. <laughs> Please let
1: Damien requalify. I love Damien Hobgood. I think he's, he's, uh, he's had a horrible season, and I just want him to requalify. He's an incredible. Both the Hobgoods are underrated and red hot and he, he served. I'm the first one to say, get rid of the old guys, but I think the Hobgoods should stay on tour for at least one more year.
0: He surfed better in that event than I've seen him surf all year long. He's just, he's a great, I,
1: you know, I got to admit, I surf with him a little bit out here and, and, uh, you know, I see him around town. So I'm sort of a fan. Um, and he's a really nice person, which also yeah. is why I'm biased towards him because he's just a good human being and I want him to do well and he deserves to do well because he his surfing
0: just is proven. Yeah. He's, he's worthy. Well, he moved from like the 60-something spot in the One World Rankings to the 37th spot, top 32 qualify. So he's five spots away. It all comes down to pipeline as everything does. So
1: Now, you know, there's been some chatter um, that, that it's not looking good in the forecast for pipeline. First of all, Pipe doesn't even start till December 8th, so we're five, six days away, whatever it is. Um, It's way too early to tell me that you know what's gonna happen with the swell forecast, because there's some people saying, oh, it's gonna be an off-the-wall pipeline. I saw some chatter online. I'm just calling BS on it. I think Pipe's gonna be fine. I think there's gonna be swell. I looked at the forecast charts. There's something that pops from the west-northwest right around the 8th, right around the start of the event. So, you know, I'm sure everyone yeah, and we all want it to be a pipeline of course and i think it will be.
0: Um one other person as we're wrapping up this topic to leave a sour taste in your mouth. <laughs> yes. Which one uh, of the number like 163 yeah. on the WQS. You know
1: all of the like lower tier guys. I Which is good. Ray, I'm glad you do. Ray I personally could care
0: less. All right. Couldn't could care not care less. less. Irregardless. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean regardless. <laughs> So Rayoni Montiero moved, oh, moved into a qualifying position. Oh god. 20, he's in twenty seventh right now. Oh god, so look forward to that next that year. That
1: is horrible. Yep, enjoy. Please give me uh, Connor Coffin. Give me some Well, if young he would have made
0: some heats, he would be there. All right, he didn't. Right.
1: So Rayoni, right. all those Brazilians cheering for him during those heats. During the final, especially. Oh yeah. Please.
0: All right. Enough of Sunset. I don't need another
1: 30-something-year-old Brazilian. Of course, Damien Hobgood's a 30. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little nationalistic. Look, the Brazilians should appreciate that. There's nobody more nationalistic than Brazilians. I'll be nationalistic on the North American side. I'd much rather see Damien Hobgood than Rayoni.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. What do you got? What's um, next? What else do I got here? I've got Duke versus Kook. Is it Duke versus? Or what about
1: the world tour? They okay. put out The ASP has put out the the 2014 tour events, and it looks all fine and dandy. The Fiji Pro and the Bali Pro and the Margaret River Pro, those three events are sponsorless at this time. I'm sure the ASP will get sponsors for those events. Two of them are pretty prime ones, the Bali one and, and the Fiji one. And it wouldn't surprise me if Volcom steps up. They're probably negotiating. Yeah. Um, so I love
0: I love their events.
1: The fact that they don't have sponsors right now is I'm not too concerned about that. And it's gonna go forward with or without sponsors. The one thing that I see on here that, that bugs me a little bit is that I'd like to see another North American event on here. I, I first of all, in July I think it would be wise if they did an ASP W C T event at Puerto Escondido, if they can. In my opinion, July, first of all, the U.S. Open is broken. Yeah. The U.S. Open in Huntington Beach is a broken thing. It's What the U.S. Open is, is it's a youth lifestyle weekend or week or two weeks where they really put the surfers um, off to the side they call it the U.S. Open of surfing, but it's really the U.S. Open of corporate data read on what the youth lifestyle demographic wants to see. And it could be like mixed martial arts tattooing this year, or it could be BMXing, or it could be Miley Cyrus on on a skateboard, or who knows. But it's certainly, that, you know, not, they don't care about surfing. Now, Hurley, when Hurley did it right, and they did do it right, they, it was obvious that they cared about surfing and they brought in the greatest surfers. And, and it was truly a surfing event. And it's, you know it's broken. So my point is, let's have an an event in July. If it if it uh, causes a problem with the U.S. Open of surf lifestyle garment clothing industry, you know, um, hot thing, du jour or whatever, fine. I don't care. Yeah. The surfer, the pro surfers and surf fans deserve a real event sometime in July. And so that tells me, okay, where can we do it? Well, Puerto Escondido, possibly. Now you'd have to run a lot of heats in the morning. It gets windy mid afternoon and you probably would have to it might be difficult from that standpoint from the wind coming up every morning there Mm -hmm. but i think you could pull it off another option in north america in july is canada you get a lot of swells that no one even sees on the radar up there and it's warm and it's nice for canada july you got super long
0: days um hasn't o'neill done cold water events there
1: yeah there's been events there Uh, and there may have even been a wct event in canada maybe i don't but I, I would like to see another North American event. Uh, there's
0: only one, and it's the Hurley well, event at Trust. Let me ask you this. Why do you want to see another North American I'm, event? Because I'm North
1: American. Okay. I'm nationalistic. And yeah. for our guys to do good, I'd like to see another event there.
0: Okay. See, to me, it doesn't really matter if it takes place in North America. I'd just rather see J-Bay or G-Land or something like that. I would, know? too. I mean, if you want to get you know, talk
1: Dream Tour, let's kick the Rio event off the tour. I
0: was surprised to see it again. Well, the
1: thing is, the Rio event makes them a lot of money. Well, you know, like it's almost like, look, we'll do the Rio event and we'll rake in
0: tons of dough, and that will allow us to pull off a Fiji event if we don't have a sponsor. Well, I don't understand how that happens. I would think Billabong, as the presenting sponsor, maybe they rake in dough in terms of board short sales, but how does that translate to the ASP? The ASP is charging well, a fee to run the event there's, that there's, doesn't does, the fee doesn't change. They're going the ASP is
1: going to be able to sell um, ancillary media sponsorships. There's so many surfers in Brazil. This may surprise you, but I believe that the most surfers in per capita by nation is Japan. Number two is Brazil. And, um, so there's just like tons of dough that they're, they're, you know, surfing's
0: kind of like, um, it is in Australia and Brazil. Like, it's like and a national sport. They're I, into it. And know? I understand that, and I understand that's why they want to run the event there, or why Billabong would want to sponsor well, the ASP event will there.
1: will rake in media dough from it, and they'll be able to use that dough. It's a cash cow. Basically,
0: it, trust me, Brazil is a cash cow. That's why they're doing but it. But this year would be the first year that they're able to do that, though, right? right? Because right. previously, right. the sponsors... I mean, that's why it's on here. Yeah, the yeah. sponsors get the... Right. The ad, no, that's uh, the rights to the media. Yeah. Um, yeah, well... If, if it's the rights to the media that are valuable, then I don't know why it's so important to do it in a highly populated area. You know what I mean? Because the media goes out worldwide.
1: Well, it could be a thing where this year they're like, look, we want to do it again. You know, we, it's been sort of successful. You know, it's a chance for the high-performance aerials to happen. It's in, a, a, you know, the, the beautiful metropolitan Rio de Janeiro. You know, the, it's sort of like... Everything lines up. It's there's tons of infrastructure, you know. It's yeah, you'd like them to go to that one island on the other side, you know, that, that beautiful. Fernando. Yeah, that island's insane. It's yeah, a national it's... park, and, and have it there. But it's like, dude, we got all the infrastructure. Let's just do this thing here, where it's, it's all here. Like it, Which, it's kind of like having it in Honolulu or something. You know, it's like or Huntington Beach, the U.S. Open. Except, except, yeah, it is. It it's is very much like and the that. waves all are I, only It's more like having it in New York City, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like Rio is like los angeles right
0: yeah interesting i don't need to see rio i know they got to do it but for the reasons you named but i i'm not into it um and again freaking where's jay bay dude how is that not on the list
1: i don't know brother it's a tough one
0: i know and the women added a couple new events to their tour as well which was kind of cool for them it still ends in portugal though not in hawaii so it'd be nice if they can get back to hawaii at some point
1: yeah, you know, the women, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I don't know, I, I'm i not sure I care one way or the other. Really? You know, and I, it's nothing against women or women surfing, um, but it's kind of like I don't really necessarily watch women's golf. I don't necessarily watch, although I will watch women's tennis. I think women's tennis is fascinating, but I'm not watching, you know, women's, um, you know, I think of the sports that I like to watch. I'm not necessarily... I want to see the top of the top of the top of the top. Yeah. And call it what you will, but the men are physically stronger and obviously better. Or yeah. they'd, there'd be women mixed in with them.
0: Sure. Fair enough. So is it Duke? God, I'm going to get some hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't respond to that last... I let you take the... Jump on the grenade there.
1: But, you know, the women surf great. I, I'm not. Oh, and back backpedal. Here, here I go. Here's the back pedal.
0: <laughs> um, oh, shoot. Is it Duke versus Kook, or is it no, Duke you, and Kook? Duke and Kook. And you, Kook. You pick okay, a Duke, okay. you
1: pick a Kook. All right. But it...
0: I don't even have one. I'm, I'm going to. Oh, really? I mean, I'm going to come up with one while you tell oh, me. Oh, wow. It. Way to prepare for the show, Scott. Good yeah, job. Yeah, you... yeah.
1: Thank you. Uh, All right, I've got mine.
0: <laughs> do you no. want to go or you no, want no, me you to go? go okay. Go. My Duke for the week, do you start with Duke or do you start Doesn't with proof. matter. Okay. But the Duke is the good, the Duke Kahanamoka. Okay. Um, He's the
1: hero of the week, the Duke.
0: Well, I'm going to start with Kook, actually. Okay, the Kook is the Kook. My Kook of the week is the cameraman in the final of the Vans World Cup of Surfing. All right. You know why? No. Because in the finals at sunset with three minutes left, Damian Hobgood needed a nine. He and Zeke Lau split the peak. I with 3 that. minutes left. I remember that. The cameras follow Zeke and then when he's done, they cut real quickly to the very end of Damian's left yeah. where he comes blown out of a barrel and claims claims it heavily, the, thinking the, thinking he got the score. The
1: claim was so heavy that I thought he was being sarcastic cuz I didn't see the tube. I just saw the end floater and I thought he was just doing that as like a sarcasm move where he threw his he claimed
0: unbelievably strong. He did. So I thought he was being funny. Okay. Well, from the angle that shows zeke taking off on the right yeah you can see damien in the background taking off on the left and it's super steep and it's super deep and um so you could tell that he's dropping into the barrel from the takeoff right and then we see the end of the ride why where is he's that getting cameraman's blown out.
1: Fault. the cameraman's focused on rights he's a hawaiian well no that camera whole-
0: that cameraman oh, you is mean the other camera well they have multiple cameramen Right. So I'm just blaming the cameraman who blew it, whose job it is to get the second right. secondary angle. Right. So they never ended up showing the replay. We can never we can assume it was a good ride, but we can't see how good. Right. They never end up showing the replay. With time winding down, Damien's yelling towards the beach, asking for the score. The judges took a really long time to deliberate and they end up giving Damien you have got multiple kooks here. Not just one. No, the cameraman is the kook. The and so the judges deliberate. They end up giving Damian a 7.8. He needed the 9. Zeke Lau ends up winning the event. What happened on the left? That's why the cameraman's my kook of the week. That's a great call. It's a good one. Well, Who's your duke? My duke is Kalia Moniz. Kalia Moniz. Kalia Moniz on November 22nd won her second consecutive women's longboarding world title championship in at the Swatch Pro in China. Um, nobody really talks about it because it's women's longboarding. I would argue very few aspects of surfing are more beautiful to watch than women's longboarding. And very few of the women are more beautiful to watch than Kalia. So um, were you going to argue that? Go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to argue it. I'm just saying that um, I would agree with you that women's longboarding, when done correctly, is beautiful.
0: Yeah. I'll just say that. Okay, fair enough. And um, Kalia is 23 years old. Her family. Hold on.
1: Yeah. First of all, any good any good surfing done properly is beautiful.
0: Totally. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's a guy or a girl. No, I agree, dude. I love watching a variety. Tom Curran at J Bay. That's what I want to see. Gorgeous. But cut to Kalia Moniz longboarding. I will watch that as well. You see, <laughs> you see, Scott. I've got room in my brain to watch multiple types of surfing and appreciate multiple types of surfing, and Kalia is a beautiful type of surfing. And I, I think that's a great Duke. Um Yeah, she comes from a legendary family that's yeah. worth noting. And you Tony you. T- yeah, you touched on them yeah. earlier in today's show, but Tony and Tammy, they seem like really good parents, and I hear nothing but great things from people who have dealt with them. Yeah. They've got um, five kids, obviously, yeah. Kalia, and then four boys, Micah, Isaiah, Joshua, and Seth. They all charge. They made uh, Seth and Isaiah— or no, Seth and Joshua made a bunch of heats at sunset this year, so it's always good to see them. I know they. I've seen them get amazing waves at Backdoor and Pipeline. Um, Kalia's 23. She's doing a lot of huge things with a lot of aloha and stoke and always smiling. That's why she's my Duke of the Week.
1: All right, well, that, those are good. My Duke is a um, guy we've already talked about. It's sort of, I'm sort of mailing it in, but Damian Hobgood is my Duke kahanamoku of the week um, super stoked on his performance at sunset and i'm looking for really big things from him coming up here at pipe and i would be psyched please baby allah let damien requalify now my kook is um Kolohe andina oh yeah for the smash-up that he did um he kicked out of a wave at sunset during the event didn't um advance And proceeded to have, like, a baby Huey meltdown where he pounded on his board and whined. And he sort of looked like, um, you know, a spoiled Orange County, you know, beach baby, which apparently he could be, you know. And so Chloe and Dino, that just looked bad. It's okay to be pissed off. But to melt down and beat on your board like a a spoiled little kid is just makes you look like a spoiled little kid.
0: Well, he he kicked out of the wave with a lot of frustration then sat on his board and punched it how many times? Six? I mean, that's my point.
1: It wasn't just one, okay, I get it. It it was like,
0: it was almost premeditated. It was so many times he punched it. I understand. He's like, look
1: at me, I'm pissed, dad.
0: Yeah. I understand the emotional fit where it's like one punch and then you're like, all right, calm down. This was like, throwing combos like left, right, jab, uppercut. Yeah, Yeah, it was like... I know, he looked like Manny Pacquiao. It was (laughs) was horrible. It was really shocking to see him lose it that that intensely. Um, You sent me a link to the video. I downloaded the video just because I thought this may get taken down in the next day or two, so I want to make sure that I have my own copy of it so that we can repost it. Um, And we haven't even discussed our websites or any contact info throughout this show, so it would be a good time to say... That video will be on SurfSplendorPodcast.com and DownTheLineRadio.com. Yeah, because Do it's worth point. watching. It's ridiculous how upsetting that it is. That
1: obviously is your must-see moment. No. Oh, okay. I, well, my must-see moment yeah. is um, Nat Young turned 66 years old today. The original Nat Young from Australia. And uh, Matt Warshaw and Justin at Encyclopedia of Surfing uh, put up a great little birthday clip of Nat Young. Ripping and it's really cool. I, I urge you to watch it and watch how his board works and watch. Uh, it's a unique board he's riding and it's just a fun clip to check out. It's only like a minute long. Is it a
0: vintage clip
1: or a recent? yeah, it's a vintage okay. clip from um, Paul Witzig's Sea of Joy. Okay, uh,
0: surf film. It's a great, great clip. Check it out, Nat Young. Happy birthday. Warshaw's done an amazing job with the Encyclopedia of Surfing. He's yeah, I love that thing.
1: He's a. I've gone on a surf trip with him and he's a fun guy to travel with and just you know. Obviously a mountain, a treasure trove of information and you get him talking and it's a lot of fun just sitting and listen. How's know. he surf? He's a great surfer. Really? Yeah. Cool. He's We're... a tube monger. We call him the tube monger, you know, like he'll take off on a wave, throw his arm into the wave and just stall until the thing either throws out and he gets completely shacked or um, he just gets a shampoo.
0: Where'd but you he, guys he, go?
1: We went to El Salvador together. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah.
0: So you can we find an occasional tube down there? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, he Um, he got barreled. We have photos to prove it. He was finding the tube.
0: Cool. My my must-see moment of the the week is the greatest wipeout feature on Surfline uh, featuring Ahanu Sandru, unknown surfer. Oh,
1: is he like Matt Banning? Who? (laughs) Who the
0: hell? He's an unknown surfer. Um, But last time we did this show, my Duke of the Week was Shane Dorian, and that day they released an edit of a paddle-in session at Jaws, From a couple weeks ago that was massive and um and so when i got home and i was putting together the show i found that clip that was you know brand new and i posted it and it's an amazing video i'll repost it but the final wave of the three minute edit is this unknown charger paddling into this beast and he free fall drops half of this 50 footer at jaws amazing drop and he sticks it he has to take a straight line in order to make the drop rather than angling towards the channel so when he makes the free fall drop and secures himself at the bottom the lip ends up landing on him and blows him to pieces and surfline did a uh, greatest they do a greatest wipeout recurring feature and so they use that wave in their feature they interviewed him he was very articulate in explaining the wipeout, the hold down, and the whole process, and it's awesome. It's oh, really cool. well worth watching.
1: I look forward to seeing that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Yes. And um, a couple of other things. There's so much great stuff out there from Black Friday, which is the Friday after Thanksgiving at Pipeline. So I'm sure most of you have seen it. If not, Scour Vimeo or YouTube or Surfline or wherever, any of your many media outlets to check out the black friday footage at pipe and i put a thing on my facebook page of um that john Bilderback did that's pretty incredible but there's a million great black friday videos out there of the that day at
0: pipe yeah and a lot of wave of the winter entries came out of that too did you see um nat young's the new nat young the young nat young uh his wave of the winter at Pipe? no
1: i i saw some banter about it that it that people are already claiming that it's the winner
0: it's got to be it's unreal So I need to check that out. John Johns are really good too, um, but this one's just, like, unreal. So that's got my vote currently.
1: All right. I mean, I like that Wave of the Winter thing that the Surfline guys do. It's pretty cool.
0: I like that they do it. I don't like how they do it, really. Like, they allow different filmers who film the same wave to submit. So you'll see the same wave from three different angles submitted three different times. It'd be cool if that was all packaged into one entry, you know? But it's like I find myself not sure, did I see this wave already, did I not, you know, and there's a little bit of confusion. But yeah. Um, what do you think the best song ever is?
1: This is the best song ever right here. Oh, my God, I can't play it. Oh, oh What a letdown.
0: What a letdown. Let, let, let me
1: find the best song ever
0: for you. <laughs> Dude, YouTube it. I'm sure there's YouTube in.
1: Oh, this is the best song ever right here. You
0: ready for this? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Wow, what do you know? Guitar? I never would have thought.
1: (laughs) J.J. Kale. I'm going to get a lot of email. (laughs) (laughs) People are not going to like my... J.J. Kale, do you know who J.J. Kale is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're familiar with his songwriting capabilities? Yep.
0: I like J.J. Cale.
1: J.J. Cale wrote, as you know, um, "After Midnight." Yeah. He wrote "Cocaine." He wrote uh, "They Call Me the Breeze," which Leonard Skinner covered. Uh, he died last year. Yeah. Maybe I want to say six or eight months ago, something like that. So, J.J. Uh, Cale, great guitarist and um,
0: songwriter. Um.
1: got kind of an understated sort of guitar lead it's kind of cool
0: i like it i like jj Kale a lot all your songs fit into the same genre which i like or i'm not sure i'm no, not sure if like, i like it or like i hate it. that about it yeah um i've got one that's timely oh god for the holiday justin Bieber. no but it, well first of all it's the best song ever but it's okay, timely for the best holiday. song ever know this track i do not it's not christmas until i hear this track dude um this is called waitresses christmas Wrapping." the band is the waitresses oh. they had a big hit in the 80s a one hit wonder basically but um it's a christmas song obviously called uh uh christmas Wrapping. <laughs> and so there's a lot of real traditional christmas songs that are super played out this is one that you don't really hear that often, but it's amazing. Let's hear a little more of it. Okay. Crank it up. it over, over here.
1: There. That might be the worst
0: song ever, David. Wait, isn't that the name of this game? Oh, hey, God. I got a story to go with it, of course, okay. as I always do. Oh, my. Um. So I was driving back from Seattle on December 22nd one year, probably like seven years ago. And um, Seattle to Southern California is a 24-hour drive. We were going to charge it like one go, take, take turns at the wheel. And there was the biggest storm in years in Northern California. There's like a really high mountain pass that you have to go through. So we made it to Northern California, and they shut down the 5 Freeway. And, of course, anybody who's driving is now stuck in this little tiny town called Wairika. Not Eureka, Wairika. And, of course, there's very few hotel rooms, and they're all booked. So we're like, man, maybe they'll open the five in the next couple hours. So we go to the movie theater, and we watch Lord of the Rings for three hours, go to, like, try to just burn time any way possible. It's now 1 a.m., we can't get a room, and there's the highway's still closed. So we find ourselves in Denny's, December 22nd, all they're doing is playing Christmas music. And it's on a loop. And after an hour or two, the waitress realizes that we have nowhere to go. So she's like, hey, we have a banquet room in the back. You guys can go sleep back there on a booth if you want. And we're like, thank you, ma'am. Here's your generous tip. Good night. And we go into the back of the Denny's. Slept in Denny's that night. And again, the music was on a loop and I just remember that one song, Waitresses, Christmas Rapping, playing every 55 minutes or so in my sleep cycle, you know, that same song would come on, which, um, it seems like a really depressing Christmas story, but it was a really good Christmas story, you know, it was like a good memory. That's cool. They opened up the road in the morning. We had a harrowing drive through that mountain pass. We saw a lot of cars off the side of the road, actually but we made it home on December 23rd just in time for Christmas. That's so. that's sweet, David. Yes, it that's is. That's a sweet story.
1: Nothing to do with surfing. No, it's a good story, though. The
0: Waitress helped you out. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it was. It was a holiday miracle. Um, still
1: probably the worst song ever, though. Well, you think it's worse, worse than Waylon Jennings? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I got you fired up, man. I've got to get you going here. No,
0: nah, it's a good song. I don't care what All you right, say. fair enough. And um, I guess um, they can email you and yeah so um as we've said with past shows like this conversation isn't just between scott and i it's between all of us as you heard with emails that we read at the beginning of the show we care about your opinions and we want to know how to make the show better too so share your opinions either on our websites or via social media is an easy way to do it or send an email so my um show is surf splendor david my show is surf splendor the website is The email address is hello at surfsplenderpodcast.com. And then you can just search Surf Splendor on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and find me that way. Connect.
1: Cool. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just echo what David said. You know, we're excited that you're listening. And uh, it's great to get emails from all over the globe. You know, and we're getting them from all over the globe. Uh, my website is downalineradio.com. And you'll be able to see transcripts from the show and uh, videos and stuff that we talked about during the show, just like on David's website. And my email, SurftalkSanDiego at gmail.com. SurftalkSanDiego at gmail.com. And uh, my Twitter account is at BoardroomSurf.
0: And my Instagram is at BoardroomShow. Do you think we'll be able to get together before Christmas again? we got like yes. two and a half weeks or yeah, two weeks? Yeah, for
1: sure, for sure, okay. absolutely. So let's
0: try to do it maybe the week before Christmas? Yeah. Okay. Did you see my new board that
1: I got? No, I check, didn't. Check this board out. Here, just... This is... Uh...
0: Oh, I saw that. I didn't know it was new, though. Yeah, I got... I
1: Holy bought this collector board. It's a Jerry Lopez, uh, one of the original tow boards that he made for Laird Hamilton and the Strapped crew in the late 80s and um it's pretty killer i'm pretty psyched on it i bought it from a friend of mine in hawaii and it's seven six it's one of the original jerry lopez toe-in boards from uh jaws i'll grab
0: a iPhone. yeah i'll grab an iphone photo of that and post it on the site it's got the traditional camo uh camouflage kind of decoration on the front or on the deck yeah i remember seeing that back in the day
1: and this thing probably weighs about 20 pounds it's a 7.6 it's 17 inches wide it's just a real narrow you won't see toe boards like this anymore they're super. all way smaller now yeah.
0: or shorter that's least. what i mean yeah shorter so um, super cool dense foam though jerry lopez crazy
1: it's a collector for sure i'm pretty yeah, psyched it on it
0: very cool awesome well good show scott
1: yeah Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for hosting. Uh, until next time, for David,
1: adios and
0: hello. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Surf Splendor. hope you enjoyed it. As I've said before, and I'll say again and again and again, you can find us at surfsplendorpodcast.com. dot com. Send us an email. Leave a comment on today's uh, on today's show's page. Or, of course, engage via social media where you can find us at Surf Splendor. Um, Lastly, we always appreciate you sharing the show with a friend. We don't advertise. We want the show to grow organically with people who enjoy storytelling, people who enjoy surfing, and people who enjoy this podcast platform. If you enjoy the show, that you just share it with people who you think might enjoy it. So um, continue doing that. You know, numbers have grown seems like the uh download numbers double every month thus far so that's pretty amazing growth we're thrilled to see it and um, it's really kept the ball rolling for us and we'll continue to produce shows uh, because obviously we know people are listening so thanks for your doing your part we'll continue doing our part and uh until next time this is david scales for surf splendor saying thank you and we will talk to you soon